Good evening and welcome to this weekend edition of the Double Double. I'm your host, Noah Dakin, and I am joined by my awesome co-host, Connor Schuzma. Connor, how you doing? Good. Can't complain. It's a Saturday, you know. Nothing better awesome, than that. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> and today we are joined by our special guest, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, Champions League is back. Uh, March Madness is on the horizon. So those are basically the two best tournaments in the world, and they are... They are happening around the same time, so I can't complain. Exactly, yeah. So I guess we'll hop right into it. Talking about that Champions League, we're going to jump right into talking about who we think are the top teams that we're going to be end up seeing in the Premier League that are going to the Champions League. Of course, we've got Manchester City and Manchester United, who have a pretty dominant lead in first and second over the rest of the table. But starting with you, Sean, how, how is that third and fourth spot going to lay out, and how do you think that's going to that's gonna turn out towards the end here? Well, right now, basically, Liverpool is currently out of it, as well as quite a few other contenders, such as Tottenham and Arsenal. So we literally are in in a situation where West Ham and Everton are vying for a Champions League spot. Who would have thought that coming into the season that both West Ham, I mean, Everton, maybe you can see coming because Hamas Rodriguez is a dynamic playmaker. And when he's given the keys to an offense, he is electric, uh, emphasized by his great setup pass to Richarlison in Everton's 2 0 win over Liverpool this morning. But, obvi- but here's the thing I think Leicester City eh, will, get, will get that spot. Leicester City, they've been very consistent this season. And as long as they don't do what they did during the last project restart and start relying on Jamie Vardy to score other goals then they should be fine, and they haven't. Although, offensively, they looked a little shaky, but I trust Brendan Rodgers to get it done for Leicester City. And I said before the season that Chelsea was going to struggle over the first half of the season, but then they would explode in January. Well, hmm, I was kind of right. It just took a, it just took another month than I thought they were going to, but Chelsea's been fantastic. Yes, they did draw 1-1 against Southampton, but Chelsea defensively has looked really solid. They're... Outside of Man City, they're probably the best defensive club in the Premier League. The way they've been playing defensively, I would say it's them and Leicester that are the top two defensive clubs. And I feel like Chelsea, with Timo Werner finally getting his first goal, with the rest of the roster starting to get healthier, I feel like Chelsea's going to go an absolute run. And I think that Chelsea will end up finishing second. Manchester United's run has not been very good as of late. You know, they, they literally drew West 1-1 to West Brom, which I'll be on. So I think Chelsea will end up finishing second, Man United third, and I think Leicester will edge out West Ham and Everton for the fourth spot. Yeah, it's tough. We've, we've been seeing uh, Manchester United starting to struggle a little bit, uh, maybe leaning a little bit too much on Bruno Fernandes' fantastic performance so far this season. Uh, he's been doing an incredible job, scoring 14 goals with nine assists. Um, I mean, you really can't ask much more of a player like that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Chelsea can kind of slide up into that second or third spot with, uh, within these next couple of games. But, Connor, what do you say? What are, what are we looking like in these top four spots in the Premier League? I mean, I think Manchester City and Manchester United, I think they have it locked up pretty much. I mean, yes, Manchester United it has not been hot recently, but I think Manchester City for sure will finish in the top four. And I do think Manchester United will have just enough to get in the top four. Uh, I would watch out for Liverpool, despite their injuries. I think they do have a chance of making it in the top four. And I do like Chelsea to also be in the top four. 
Yeah, and of, of course, like you said, uh, Sean obviously counting Liverpool out a little early. Um, I know we suffered, suffered another pretty catastrophic loss today, unfortunately. Uh, Jordan Henderson going down with a groin strain. Uh, who knows how long that's going to put him out. But yeah, it's, it's just a tough scene for Liverpool. Basically, the only thing they can do right now is kind of crawl on the back of their of the league's top scorer uh, in Mohamed Salah. He's been kind of turning it up a little bit on that offensive side with 17 goals, leading the league by a few. So, yeah, it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how some of these lower teams, such as West Ham, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, kind of maybe mix up spots, see who ends up in that fourth spot. I think it'll be super interesting. But um, so, yeah, talking about some of these big teams, we've got Manchester City, who's been on just an absolute tear recently. Uh, 19 wins in a row, I believe, in all competitions. I mean, it's pretty hard to stop. Even with Kevin De Bruyne being out for the last five weeks with his hamstring injury, I mean, they've shown that they can keep up. So, Sean, what do you think has been the key to the success with Manchester City? So here's the thing. Coming into the season, I said that Kevin De Bruyne was the best player in the Premier League. I thought he was the best all around. And while Bruno Fernandes has kind of stolen a lot of his spotlight, right now – no one in the entire Premier League and in the entire world outside of Kim Mbappe and Aaron Holland, outside of those two, there's no one that's playing better in Europe than Ilkay Gundogan. In 2021, Gundogan has scored nine goals. That Ilkay Gundogan has almost outscored Liverpool in 2021, which is saying a lot. And with his dynamic playmaker, remember, Gundogan is a midfielder. He is not a striker. He is not even a winger. He, he's not a forward. He's a midfielder. And yet he is bagging goals left and right. Yes, Sergio Aguero has been injured. Yes, we, we have seen De Bruyne have been injured as well. But with Gundogan's incredible playmaking, Man City has just elevated to a new level. Gabriel Jesus doesn't have to score the goals. Riyad Mahrez and Bernardo Silva don't have to carry all the pressure so because of his emergence remember this this is the guy that against liverpool he shanked a penalty kick he just skied it over the net and then he came back and scored a brace it, it was it was pretty insane to see and with man city's run of form i think they're i mean they basically are going to run away with the Premier League at this point they're also i think the best club in champions league i think this is man city's year to lose in the champions league as well but also, I have to talk about uh, Ruben Diaz. So Ruben Diaz was acquired from Manchester City back in September. And Man City's back line is suddenly one of the best in the Premier League. Now, if you look at the last few seasons, Ma Manchester City has been a very inconsistent club, to say the least, defensively. That was that's always been their downfall. Look what happened against Olympiake Lyon in the Champions League last year. They gave up three goals against a Lyon club that I, I think was just a little bit better than mediocre, to be kind. And Man City did not has struggled against Liverpool in the past because they couldn't defend the, the front three of Liverpool. And they've had so many inconsistent performances. Remember the Tottenham Man City thriller two years ago. So with Ruben Diaz in tow for Man City. Their back line is suddenly elite. When looking at the Premier League table, Manchester City's only given up 15 goals in this season. You want to know who second place is? That would be Aston Villa with 24. And Aston Villa has played the fewest matches of any Premier League club with only 22. Most clubs have played 24-25. So the, so the fact that they have conceded nine goals fewer than anyone else is insane. I can't believe that we're saying that about Man City. 
And I think they're the best club in Europe. And it's honestly not even close. Yeah, of course, when you've got guys like Stones who have come into a team like that and just done an absolutely fantastic job as of recently, especially on that in that defensive back line. I mean, it's just something super special, really. Um, but what do you think, Connor? What do you what do you think has been the key to Manchester City's success throughout this run? I mean, I really like their depth. I feel like they have guys at each position that can really play that position. And behind them, they also have more guys who can step up if a player gets injured. So I think just their overall um, depth and also their chemistry. I mean, from the clips I've seen, they have great chemistry. Like, they expect to know where their teammates are going to be. Like, you can just tell they know where each other are going to be on the field. So that leads, of course, to a better overall game. They can score easier, play defense better. And I think, like um, Sean said, the addition of Ruben Diaz was very important in adding to that defense as he kind of offers like an assurance to the back line with his defensive efforts. So I think that was a great um, addition for that team. And like Sean was saying, allowing very few goals while scoring quite a few as well. Uh, best goal difference in the league by far at 34. Next, I believe, is Man United with about 19. So, I mean, it's just incredible what this Manchester City line is doing. But, I, of course, they have been struggling with a few injuries here and there, such as Kevin De Bruyne going down with his recent ham injury for hamstring injury for about six weeks. Should be expecting him to come back within this next week, hopefully for Manchester City. And... Yeah, it's just a, a lot of another key uh, Liverpool injury. Uh, Jordan Henderson again uh, pulling his groin or doing whatever he did to that. Uh, it's just tough to see with an already beaten down team uh, missing about eight. I think it's about seven or eight key players from that team already. But uh, going over to you, Sean, what do you think some injuries are in the Premier League right now that might be affecting uh, teams and runs in an important way? I just I need to I need to ask an honest question. So when Liverpool won the Premier League title, it it, it was their first title in the modern Premier League era since since the Premier League uh, uh, rebranded in nineteen ninety two. That was the first Premier League title that Liverpool won. I just need to ask an honest question: Did Liverpool sell their soul for that title? Like I genuinely need to know this. Did they actually sell their soul? for that title because it seems like the devil is coming to collect the payment that the, the, that's what this season has been. Virgil van Dyke gets injured on this in the first Merseyside Derby on a bit of a nasty collision with Jordan Pickford. And then the other Merseyside Derby match, Jordan Henderson, their club captain and arguably their most important player goes out with injury. And by the way, I don't think those two injuries Okay, I don't think Jordan Henderson's injuries is important, though, is Diogo Yoda's injury. Diogo Yoda was on an absolute tear in November. He was basically the offense for Liverpool and supplementing the front three that they have, which has struggled. When he went injured, look what happened in January. Liverpool lost one nothing to Southampton, and then they started going downhill. Lost 1-0 to Burnley, lost 1-0 to Brighton, lost 4-1 to Man City, lost in the Merseyside Derby. It's not going very well for Liverpool, and they've had so many injuries. That trust me, when the devil collects the payment, you better pay up because that's exactly what they've done this year with the injuries. Liverpool is currently in a position where they may they may be happy with a Europa League appearance at this point. The only way that they can possibly get back to the Champions League next year with their current form is to win the Champions League. Which okay, you may beat Leipzig, you won two 0 I'll give you that much, but. Imagine if they have to play Man City in the Champions League. Uh, unlike unlike three years ago, that's not going to go very well. 
Exactly. And I mean, really, when it comes to Liverpool, uh, you, you just got to look at injuries, uh, full list of them. Uh, we've got Virgil van Dijk out with his knee, who's obviously going to be down for the rest of the season. Joe Gomez, uh, another key defensive player, out for the rest of the season again with another knee issue. Joel Matip has got a season-ending ankle, season ankle injury. And of course, like Sean was saying, Diego Jota, doing a really fantastic job for those, for that, those couple of weeks there. I mean, he, you're right. He was basically just scoring pretty much everything Liverpool needed and keeping us afloat. Goes down with another injury, hopefully coming back this week. Um, or within this next month. Uh, then when you've got Nat, guys like Fabinho and Nabi Keita who are going down with just these horrible injuries that just put them out for a couple of weeks that just really kill any hope that Liverpool could have, along with old reliable James Milner having some hamstring issues. And then finally, Jordan Henderson just having these this just unfortunately timed injuries. Just, it's a tough scene. But Connor, are, are there any other teams really that have some, some important injuries to address that might affect their season? I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, Liverpool, in my opinion, did get hit the hardest, but Manchester United has three players injured in Paul Pogba and then Marcus Roja and then also Phil Jones. But I think, like you said, Liverpool has been hit the hardest. I mean, they lost their stand, star player in Virgil van Dijk. I mean, he is their, he is their defensive player. So I think that really hurt the team. And like you said, there's multiple other players on that team who got hurt. So really injury, I think, killed their chances. And I think, if they don't make it to the top four, I think that's going to be the reason why. Right. And going off of that, I mean, Liverpool's whole back line has been injured. Um, it's every defensive player. Jordan Henderson, a usual midfield player, was moved back there in hopes to try to fix something going on. Because obviously it's been the defense that's been lacking quite recently. But still, I think considering all these injuries and all this hardship that Liverpool has gone through, you really cannot consider them a disappointing team. I mean, if we had, were in full health, uh, if everything was going well like it did last season, didn't have any problems, too many problems with injuries at least, I really think Liverpool would still have a chance to maybe stick their nose up at second or maybe even first. But, of course, that's not how this season has gone. But going over to you, Sean, other than Liverpool, because I know you'd love to talk about them forever, about how, how bad they may be at the moment, uh, what are some other disappointing teams that you've seen so far this season? <sighs> Man... Unfortunately, I have to talk about North London. Now, I'm not just going to talk about my club. I'm also going to talk about the other North London club. How on earth is Tottenham at nine? That's inexcusable. You literally have Harry Kane and Hung Min Son in your ninth? What? That, that's inexcusable. That, that should not happen. And, and if, you look at if you look at Tottenham's recent results, first of all, they made, they made Liverpool look like the 2020 version where they lost 3-1. to one. That was actually the one great match that Liverpool's had in the last couple months in the Premier League. They were embarrassed by Man City. Club that Tottenham usually beats pretty well. Uh, they've humiliated them in the past. They couldn't, score against, they couldn't score against Chelsea, which, I mean, I get Chelsea's back line is bad. But you drew to Fulham. You lost to Brighton 1-0. Like, I'd how how do you do that with your front line how do you do that <sighs> but yes tottenham has really struggled to maintain a consistent back line and here's the thing as great as hung min stone and harry kane are well what is your midfield are you truly are you trying to rely on harry winks to score all your goals and set them up lucas mora do you realize how inconsistent these two players are tottenham has 
lacked a midfield for many years, which it still perplexes me how this club was in a Champions League final two years ago. They got exposed in the final, but it still blows my mind how this club was in the Champions League final a couple years ago, even though their midfield has always been one of the most inconsistent and frustrating units ever. And their back line ever since uh, Vertogen and Everwild have been etched out, they haven't been very consistent either. And Arsenal, well, hmm, how do I put this? They are the most maddening, frustrating club on the face of the planet. Uh, why is Willian st- still on the pitch? The guy is an abomination. The guy is terrible. He holds up every single counterattack. He doesn't understand how to pass. He doesn't understand the flow of the game. Why would you keep him out there when you have a bunch of youngsters like, I don't know, Kieran Tierney, Baki Osaka, Gabriel Martinell? I know he's been, he suffered injuries too, but come on. Willian is holding this offense back, and Arsenal is still maddeningly inconsistent at creating chances it's been their hugest issue the last few years yeah north london not looking too good right now yeah it's, it's a real tough scene for a lot of those teams obviously you really can't expect too much from arsenal especially over these past couple of years we haven't seen anything too fantastic yet so sitting at tenth, you can't really say is a disappointment because i mean let's be honest you're kind of expecting them to be there but maybe talking about a couple other teams, uh, we've got Sheffield. Now, finishing ninth in the Premier League really wasn't too terrible, but to see them fall into to what they are now, I mean, it's just honestly a little bit of an embarrassment. Um, they, they're at the bottom of the table by far. Uh, it's just 20th place. I mean, they're obviously going to get relegated. It really sucks to see a team kind of, kind of on the uprise in the Premier League and then just see them fall like that just as hard. So... I mean, tough sight, but Connor, what are some other teams that you, we might look at and say that's kind of a disappointing season from them? I mean, I hate to do this to you, Noah, but Liverpool, I know we already talked about this, but I mean, they just went from the champions to, I mean, being six. I mean, not an average team, but I believe they're underperforming. Even considering their injuries, I still believe they're underperforming. I mean, of their last five games, they have lost four of them. And they're... Loss against Everton today, I mean, Everton, yes, a good team right behind them, actually. So I think that was a key victory for Everton to be, um, yeah, to be Liverpool. So I think that loss is going to be key, and that even could be a deciding factor whether they can get into the top four or not. Right. And honestly, after talking about some of our Champions League teams and some of our disappointing teams, we should probably talk about a couple of key games that we think are going to be changing um, changing the table around a little bit, maybe. Uh, and I think most importantly, we've got West Ham versus Chelsea, uh, fourth and fifth place teams, uh, going to be clashing off pretty soon here. So, Sean, how do you think that's going to turn out? And what do you think uh, is going to come of the, the top four once that game is over? So, if you go back to Project Restart last year, uh, West Ham actually defeated Chelsea in what was one of the most em- embarrassing defensive displays that Chelsea has had. It was a crazy 3-2 match. And with West Ham playing, well, first of all, West Ham has to play the Spurs tomorrow morning. So that's also pretty important. I think West Ham can get four, maybe six points in these matches. Uh, what West Ham has a very good midfield. Thomas Suchek, uh check has been a phenomenal playmaker for West Ham and Jesse Lingard. Hello there has been quite impressive. He's he scored a brace on his debut. And I think West Ham with their efficient midfield and defense, I think that they can 
hold Chelsea to draw. And I think they beat Tottenham. I think right now they're outside of Tottenham's front line. I think West Ham is overall better right now. Tottenham is just playing extremely inconsistently. Remember, this is a club that lost one on the Brighton. And West Ham is basically a much better version of Brighton. So I think West Ham is going to make a move into the top four. Now, with another match tomorrow, Austin Villa-Lesser, it being very interesting, it'll see where the table floats right up to next. I think that's a very intriguing match that I think – at the, that I think will end in a 0-0 draw between two defensive-minded clubs. But West Ham, like, they definitely have a golden opportunity. I think they – I'm going to predict they'll get four points. I think they draw with Chelsea, and I think they beat the Spurs. And, I mean, honestly, uh, for what it's worth, coming off a win uh, against Sheffield of all teams, unfortunately, but still, 3-0 win kind of catapults you into your next game, gives you a little bit of confidence, gets you going for that for that next win, hopefully. So, Connor, what are we thinking of this match? How, how's this going to turn out between West Ham, especially within these, last two, these next two games, as Sean was talking about? I mean, I think West Ham, I think they are a good team. Obviously, they are fifth, but I think their ability to, you know, limit the other team – uh, to a certain amount of goals, I think that is a key thing. I mean, they are one of the top scoring teams in the league, not the top, but they're up there. Um, but I think just limiting goals is their key. I mean, if they can keep the other team to, you know, not even scoring or just one goal, I think that rises their chances of winning uh, tremendously. Right. So obviously West Ham in really good position to maybe make something of this season. Uh, Chelsea kind of in jeopardy, uh, along with along with Liverpool and Everton kind of being the, the sixth and seventh places that could sneak up into one of these spots. But yeah, just overall a really interesting scene um, in, in the English football world. But moving back over to America, uh, let's talk a little bit about some recent things in American football. Uh, most importantly, uh, recently Drew Brees, um, it, was, it was trending on Twitter, everything, has announced that he will be returning for the next season, hopefully. Um, so Sean, what are we thinking of that? How's, how's this going to affect the saints and how's it going to maybe, how are we going to see this next season unfold? Well, I don't know if it's a hundred percent confirmed, but if this really is true, oh boy, it's going to be a rough season for the saints next year. I'll, here's the thing. Drew Brees is a legend. He's a top 10 quarterback. There's no question about it. But I'm sorry, he needs to retire. Did anybody who watched their playoff loss to the Tampa Buccaneers knew that he needed to retire? He he couldn't throw more than 10 yards down the field. And yes, he has a whole offseason to heal, but he's not getting any younger. He I'm sorry. I don't want to hear the oh, but Tom Brady. Tom Brady shouldn't be compared to anybody. Okay. He's the greatest of all time. Okay. Just stop comparing anybody to Tom Brady. Okay. Just, just stop. Okay. <laughs> Drew Brees is going to be 41 years old next season. And you're, you're going to tell me that with all the injuries he's had and how bad he has been late in seasons over the last basically three years now, 20, the Minneapolis miracle hurts because that was the last time that Drew Brees was actually better in the playoffs than a lot of his regular season games. The last three years, it's been the opposite, which has led to some incredibly heartbreaking playoff losses for the New Orleans saints. And with the, okay. Do you guys know how much the Saints are over the cap room right now? $65 million. And by the way, last month it was $125 million. So if Drew Brees could just retire, they could actually cut down their cap room. But no, we asked to return and he's going to be terrible. And yikes, it's going to be a rough year for the Saints because they have to shed a lot of cap room. They still may be a decent team, but got the Tampa Buccaneers in your own division. 
and they're, they're going to be even better next season because they struggled this season because they didn't have a preseason and they had a very brutal schedule. But Tampa Buccaneers have won their last eight games and they have plenty of cap room too, low-key. So it's going to be a rough year for the Saints. I wish you would retire so the Saints can figure out a, a permanent solution going forward because I'm sorry. Mormon, Mormon Tebow, a.k.a. Taysom Hill, is not a long-term starter solution in the nfl I, i'm just i'm just speaking facts did anyone watch that game against the eagles i rest my case yeah and i mean it's tough to see a guy go from such a fantastic player to kind of what he's kind of developed into now i mean his last kind of truly healthy season was back in 2018 when he threw for 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns but since then in these past two seasons he's only been able to stay healthy for around 11 to 12 games uh, and he's throwing a thousand less yards with with those games missing. So I mean, it's just tough. You kind of hope a guy like him is going to come back this next season. Hopefully, be able to stay fully healthy. See if he can maybe get back into a little bit of his own form. Um, but yeah, it's it's really tough to see Drew Brees kind of fall into what he is now. But Connor, what are you saying on this Drew Brees situation? It's just sad at this point. It's just sad. Brees is he's been one of my favorite players. I, I mean, since I can remember and. To see him want to do this still for another year, it's just sad because you know he's not going to be able to perform anymore. I mean, if you watched games last season, you could tell him he just didn't have the velocity on his ball. I mean, if he's trying to throw over 20 yards, it's questionable at times. I mean, they just do quick throws. That's the Saints' whole offense. And I think I think at this point he is hurting their team. Um, they don't really have a long-term option at quarterback right now, but I, I do believe Jameis Winston could take the mantle of quarterback. Um, you saw Drew Brees talking to Jameis Winston after the game. We imagined he was saying, hey, this is going to be your team next year. So I was surprised when I looked on Twitter and it was rumored that he's going to come back. I mean, it's like, Brees, you cracked 11 ribs, dude. You're old. You're not taking the same pills as Brady. I mean, clearly Brady's just on a different level. It's not even close. So Brees, he just needs to be done. I mean, you know, go spend time with their family. Go do something else. Hey become an assistant coach, become a head coach, do something besides playing. That's that's my take on that. Right, and I mean, we look at that injury that you just mentioned, Connor, Connor that Drew Brees took this last season, and I mean, it was it was nearly fatal. 11 cracked ribs, uh, punctured lung, I believe. I mean, that really, that could have taken Drew Brees out permanently, like not out of football, just out of everything. So it's, it's just tough to kind of see him. I, maybe all I can think about is maybe in a, he, he's telling himself, I don't want my career to kind of be kind of end on that note. I don't want my career to be judged by this injury that I got. And then my underperformance when I was forced to play in the playoffs after suffering that injury. So, but yeah, I mean, talking about Jameis Winston, Sean, what are we looking like? What's, I mean, is Jameis Winston going to be able to, to come into this team and kind of lead them? Like, what's it looking like for him? Well, it, as, as great as Drew Brees was, a lot of his success has to be con, con, attributed to Sean Payton. And I think if there, if there are a few, a few coaches in the NFL that could make Jameis Winston a good quarterback, which is something even Bruce Arians. Okay, to be fair, Jameis Winston did throw 33 touchdowns with the Buccaneers under Bruce Arians. The problem is he threw 30 picks. So when you get a quarterback that doesn't throw 30 picks, oh, wait, you won the Super Bowl. Interesting how that works out. But if but there are very few offensive minds that can that can make a mediocre or bad quarterback into a really good quarterback, and I believe that Sean Payton is one of them. Now, Jameis Winston has something that Drew Brees does, and that's mobility. Jameis Winston is a good athlete, and he can run, which is 
And James Winston can actually throw the ball consistently, unlike Mormon Tebow, Taysom Hill. And when, when it comes to Jameis Winston, I truly believe that if you give him Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, or Sean McVay, he, he can be a better quarterback. Jameis Winston does have a bunch of talent. He has good mobility. And I think that he should take over. He should get a, a one-year deal this offseason with the Saints to be their starting quarterback this year. Hopefully assuming that Drew Brees rumors were actually not true because there weren't many official sources that confirmed that he was coming back. Nice. And Jameis Winston, of course, you're right, showing that he has, he's got mobility as a quarterback, uh, which could prove to be a, a pretty powerful double threat with, um, with the Alvin Kamara short pass game. Obviously um, a great player for that. With, with the dual threat of Jameis Winston running the ball, could really be a dangerous combo in this next upcoming season. But uh, just to close out, what do you think of this, Connor? Is, is Jameis Winston going to have a chance to, to kind of bring the Saints team around? I think he does. I think Jameis Winston gets a bad rap. He did play for the Bucks and for Bruce Arians, which is he Bruce Arians is known for going aggressive in passing situations. So that could be a real reason why his interceptions were so high. Uh, we did see Brady have an unusual amount of interceptions this year, not anything near Jameis Winston, but he did have more than he typically does. So I think that is contributed to Arians offense. But I think, I think Winston, I think he does have enough talent to lead the Saints to the playoffs. I mean, the Saints are a good team. And yes, they are over the cap, so I think they need to adjust some things there. But I think they do have good base players like Kamara and Thomas. So I think Winston will be good with the Saints. Yeah, and obviously throwing for 5,000 yards is no easy feat. Uh, showing that he can do that means that he's definitely got a lot of potential there and that he can maybe do something if he was given the opportunity. All right, thank you all for joining us for this first half of the weekend double-double. Um, we will be joining back shortly in a moment. Hey guys, I'm your host, Connor Schertzma, and I'm joined by Noah Dankin and our guest, Brendan. How are you doing today, Brendan? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me again. I mean, it is the weekend, so something's going right. All <laughs> right, in recent news, Carson Wentz has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. In this tree trade, the Eagles agreed to trade 2016 second overall pick Carson Wentz in exchange for the Colts' 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that could potentially turn into a first round pick. Brendan, what do you think of this trade? So um, this has been a trade that we've sort of been suspecting for a while now. Um, obviously, we all know the story about what happened with the Eagles. They drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Carson Wentz wasn't too happy about that. He didn't play very well at all. And they decided to bench him. And, you know, the rest is history. They fired their coach, Doug Peterson, about a month ago. And when that, when that firing happened, I, I assume, I think many people assume that, okay, that means Carson went to staying because there's no, it was sort of like they would choose between one or the other. Clearly, both of them weren't going to work out. And then I thought especially that that was the case when they hired uh, the Colts offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, who obviously came from Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator earlier in, in um, Carson Wentz's career in Philadelphia. So I thought, okay, he's there to fix Carson Wentz. But apparently that wasn't the case. They were going to trade him no matter what. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I think, you know, looking back at like a week ago, I think the reports were saying that the Eagles were trying to get a haul similar to what the Lions got when they traded away Matthew Stafford. Um, and I and you know, I think that a lot of it is just them trying to 
put something out there to try and get a good deal because clearly that's not what they got here. Like you mentioned, they got a uh, 2021 third round pick and a conditional second round pick. That could be a first round pick. It all depends on uh, how much playing time Carson gets and whether or not the, the Colts make the playoffs. But I think that this is the right move for Carson in his career. Obviously he has a connection with Frank Reich back in the days where he almost won an MVP. Um, I think uh, coach Reich knows exactly how to fix Wentz. He knows how to not only make sure he can, uh, be the best player he is, but he can keep his uh, his his attitude right and make sure he, he stays focused. And that team already was really good. They already made the playoffs with the quarterback in Philip Rivers, who was already who could not move at all, and he was already on his last legs. So to see a guy like Carson Wentz come in and try to revitalize his career, I think this is a perfect move for the Colts. I like your point there. I mean, Philip Rivers obviously older, can't move. I mean, he does have an arm, but not like anything like he used to have. So I think Carson Wentz is like an upgraded version of him in that sense, as he can move more, he can make plays, his scrambling abilities there. Um, I think your point again with Frank Reich, I mean, I think that's going to help Carson Wentz a lot. I mean, just with his confidence that was his coach in 2016, 2017 with the Eagles. I mean, I think that's going to be a key thing. Now, will we see that potential MVP conversation conversation for once like we saw in 2016 I don't think so but I think he will be a top 15 quarterback in this league I don't think he is trash like many people claim he is I think he will get back to his like 2017 form where hey he was throwing you know almost 30 touchdowns he was he was doing good uh Noah what are your thoughts on this trade yeah Carson Wentz obviously a fantastic player uh kind of sucks to see him it felt like he was kind of stuck at the Eagles, especially towards the end there. Uh, it really just seemed like the organization was ready to move on from him and kind of uh, kind of fill his role with Jalen Hurts, see if they could get him going, see if they can develop him into the kind of quarterback that they want to be. But yeah, I mean, obvious, honestly, with him kind of trading off with Hurts, he still had a decent season, uh, put up a decent rushing performance this season as well with some of the most rushing yards he's ever had. Um, obviously, going to a new team uh, such as the Colts, is just a humongous upgrade for him, uh, especially um, one of his key wide receivers last year on the Eagles being Travis Fulcam for those couple of weeks. Uh, it was kind of just a new guy every week that he was tossing to. So I think it's going to be interesting to see him in this new this new format of a team. And he's going to be thrown to some some pretty good pass catchers uh, and Michael Pittman uh, and and T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he's going to have a lot of more, a lot more weapons with this team, and I think it's just going to go overall better than how the Eagles were doing with him. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles, from my perspective, are a sad franchise at this point. They don't really know who their quarterback is long term. I mean, obviously they have Jalen Hurts there right now, but we don't know if he is a long term quarterback. Uh, they also, I think, it is notable that they have the second most expensive team, which means they have the second least amount of cap space. Um, so that is, you know, key there. I mean, they really can't get anybody in free agency. They're going to have to dump some guys, dump some contracts. So that is going to hurt their team. Now, the Colts, on the other hand, I mean, they have a lot of cap space. Like you said, Noah, they do have more talent. So I think this could be a potentially good uh, situation for Carson Wentz. Now, going back to you, Brendan, who do you think won this trade? Oh, the Colts, hands down. I think if you're just going to go by team by team, I mean, you look at what they gave up. They gave up almost next to nothing. Um, considering what, like I said, what uh, the Rams had to give up in order to get Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that the Colts certainly won this. I think that Carson Wentz is also the winner in this. He gets a chance to revitalize his career under a coach that he's familiar with. Uh, I just, you know, going back to the Eagles, I can't believe that they 
would have gotten rid of both their head coach and their franchise quarterback in this short of span. But you would have thought that only one of them would be gone. And usually in the, in any sport, the coach is gone before a franchise player. So it's quite, it's amazing to see. Um, I, I can't imagine the Eagles really being a high caliber team uh, going forward. Um, they're definitely going to need to bring in a, at least a competitor to challenge hurts on that, on that QB job. I don't know who they can possibly get. Maybe maybe a seasoned veteran, someone who um, maybe would not get another chance otherwise. But yeah, it's, there's I, the Colts are certainly contender now, especially in that division. Yeah, and like you, I think the Colts obviously won that trade. Um, I think you make a really good point about the Eagles and getting a potentially veteran quarterback. I think not veteran-wise, but Gardner Minshew. I think that is an option. I think he would push the competition with the Eagles. Uh, going over to you, Noah. Who do you think won this trade? Yeah, I mean, if I if I didn't say the Colts, you know, I was lying. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic player they got. I think I think he's going to fit into that team really well. Uh, 28 years old, he's still got a lot of time to show what he's made of. Uh, 28 for a quarterback, really, really is pretty good in in this day and age. I mean, we've got we've got guys like Drew Brees pushing 40 and Tom Brady at 43 who are showing that they're still fantastic as well. So I think Carson Wentz at 28 years old coming into this team right now is just absolutely fantastic for him. I mean, they cannot, he's not going to have to worry about getting hit too much. Uh, that that O-line is fantastic. Um, if they really wanted to, they could almost turn him into a, a, a turret-style quarterback that just kind of lobs to the, to the guys on the outside. Because along with that, you've got that fantastic run game in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's a really great up-and-coming running back. Uh, so I think this, this Colts team is just going to be absolutely deadly next year. I, I can't see them going any less than 10 and six, if not better, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do. I completely agree with you right there. I think the Colts are going to be absolutely deadly. Uh, I actually have them going 11 and five, Brendan quickly. Uh, who do you, what do you think the record's going to be? That's tough. I mean, it's always tough to predict records. Of course, injuries are going to be a huge part. Wentz has a bit of an injury history, so we'll see about that. But if he's healthy, I can see them going 11 and five. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and especially with their division. I mean, Texans, bad situation right now. Jaguars, um, you know, they're getting a quarterback, so that really will help. And then the Titans, obviously, they're just a good team. They're going to – I bet you they're going to make the playoffs again. Just Derrick Henry, absolute monster. Staying in football news, uh, we are going to talk about the incoming quarterback class. Now, going over you to Brennan, what do you think of the number one pick or who we assume is going to be the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence? He's a generational talent. I mean, that's obviously a phrase that you hear quite a bit, but I think going back at previous quarterbacks, it's kind of hard to find a quarterback this um, this talented. Maybe going back to Andrew Luck, and he, he obviously had a, a short of career that he had. He obviously had a great one. Um, it's clear that he's the number one overall pick. Uh, I think that the, the Jaguars are certainly in an interesting position, getting a new quarterback and a new head coach in Urban Meyer. Um, like you know, staying on the AFC South, I think they're, you know, in the future, near future, they will be a contender there. Um, but really the, the draft starts at two and seeing what the jets do, if they even have that pick at all, maybe they trade it for someone or, or who knows, maybe they draft a quarterback of their own. It's it's that's where their draft really starts. Yeah. And I think the jets choice will be huge there. I mean, like you said, Trevor Lawrence, obviously a generational quarterback. I mean, he has been considered the best prospect coming out since Andrew Luck, if not way better. Um, his strengths, you know, experience, he's played so many games at Clemson. What has he lost? Like four, five? I don't know. Something crazy like that. Strong arm, elusive. He's big. I mean, he's the prototypical quarterback you would want back there. 
I'm going over you to Noah. What do you think on Trevor Lawrence? I mean, to be honest, uh, just coming in to the draft, Trevor Lawrence is kind of showing us that he can almost kind of become that that Cam Newton style quarterback almost. I th- I think he he's just got he's got the size on his side. Uh, he's got his passing game is just absolutely fantastic, and he's shown when he needs to he can rush the ball. So I think whatever, obviously it's obvious which team he's going to is the first pick. But like Brendan said, it's going to be really interesting to talk about where these next four quarterbacks might go in the draft because obviously with Trevor Lawrence at top, just an absolutely fantastic player at Clemson, shows his stuff. You're right, does almost doesn't lose on that team. So I think him he's just going to improve the team he goes to just dramatically. Yeah, and I think the Jaguars, I mean, assuming that they get him, he's they're going to not be instant contenders, but their record's going to improve dramatically. Um, not to put you on the spot, Brennan, but do you think there's any comparisons in the NFL now that compare to Trevor Lawrence? Or do you think he's just in the league of his own? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I like the Cam Newton aspect of that. I think now it makes a lot of sense. I think uh, Lawrence will do a better job of uh, keeping his body safe. Obviously, you know, Newton's had a history of injuries as well. But if I had to, you know, try and pick someone out in the NFL currently, I mean, there's a lot of young guys now. I think uh, Justin Herbert last year had a, you know, he had a huge uh, rookie season, you know, both throwing and uh, and with his legs. So I can, if, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is as good as even he, then I think that's a success already. And I like that comparison because they're similar quarterbacks, both very tall quarterbacks at the beginning, same haircut, which I kind of find funny, <laughs> just the long haircut. Um, I have him compared to Deshaun Watson. You might not think, oh, that might be, not be very similar, but they are both athletic quarterbacks with playmaking ability. They make plays. That's what they do. And not all quarterbacks in the league can do that. And we've seen that. Noah, do you have any comparisons for him? Other than Cam Newton, uh, I can see Trevor Lawrence maybe – uh, he, I really do like that Justin Herbert comparison as well. I think he can really kind of evolve into that kind of player, if not better, uh, just by his stature. I think he, he might be able to show out a bit more. But other than that, maybe you can compare him to a young Ben Roethlisberger, um, kind of uh, just a pretty humongous guy, uh, can shuck that ball as far as he wants to. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of what – quarterback type he evolves into because I think there's a lot of players you can compare him to but really I think he might end up making his own class uh Trevor Lawrence we'll be talking about quarterbacks that are like Trevor Lawrence within the next 10 years you know maybe so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he evolves when he finally hits the NFL yeah and I think it's going to be a show I mean he is an interesting quarterback he will definitely draw in attention as he is like like you said a huge prospect coming out of college okay going over to BYU Zach Wilson going over you to Brendan where do you think he will go in the draft and do you think it will be the Jets or do you think he'll fall in the draft you know it's weird because you know going into the season this NFL season it was always between uh Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields you never really heard anything about Zach Wilson he sort of really started coming into the forefront during the college football year, especially in bowl season. Uh, it's, it's so hard to predict, especially with teams trading picks all the time. But I think I can see him being around this point, around a top five guy. Maybe he goes to Atlanta. You know, they may be looking to rebuild uh, ever since they've drafted Matt Ryan way back when. Uh, I can see him going there. Um, I just, it's really interesting to see just, you know, where this guy's coming from. Zach Wilson seems like he's coming out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's the the second best quarterback in the draft, which is really interesting to see. Yeah. And I think your point about Zach Wilson moving up, I mean, taking over Justin Fields, everybody thought for sure Justin Fields was going to be taking number two and Justin Fields even had great victories late in the, 
playoffs of this year, but yet yeah, most people still have Zach Wilson at their number two quarterback. So I find that very interesting. Noah, going over to you, do you think it will be the Jets or do you think it'll be someone later in the draft taking him? Yeah, you know, it really kind of depends on what the Jets are going to end up doing with their quarterback situation. Uh, I feel if, if they don't maybe figure out, because I mean, let's be honest, Deshaun Watson is still kind of a toss up in the air. And with the Jets being one of those teams with just a humongous amount of space and, and things that they can offer, um, they, they might be able to put something together for, for him. But other than that, I think Zach Wilson is a, a really good look for them. Uh, and especially in his last season, throwing 30 or having 33 touchdowns and only three interceptions. I mean, he's shown that he can, he can be consistent and, and not throw too many turnovers or have too many issues. So, I mean, he, he's going to be able to come into a team and make them better no matter who it is. Yeah, and I think no matter where he goes, he will be a quarterback to watch, especially being a rookie. I think he will still be maybe top 15 quarterback in the league. I think he does have that talent. Now, going over to Justin Fields from Ohio State, um, it has been said that he often plays up to his competition, which is a good thing, but on a few occasions, he has also played down to his competition, which could be a very bad bad thing in the NFL. Uh, go over, going over to you, Brendan, what do you think of Justin Fields from Ohio? I think he's amazing. I think people are really starting to forget just what kind of player he is. I go back to that uh, semifinal game against Clemson where he battled through a tough injury in the middle of the game, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the light switch turned on. He was ready to win that game. He was willing to do anything he can. Just the way he's, he just – flung that ball down the field. It was, it was amazing to see. It's something that, I, you know, you don't even see a lot of pro uh, quarterbacks do nowadays. So I think he is the second best quarterback in this draft by far. I don't know who's going to take him. I understand that, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks don't have the best track record. You look back at Dwayne Haskins and see what he's done, and you, you can go back quite quite a bit as well. But I think he's he's almost as good as Lawrence. You know, you can, you can argue that maybe he'll end up being better uh, it just, you know, all comes down to just waiting and see. But I think he is easily the second best quarterback in the draft. And I agree with you there. I mean, Zach Wilson, also a very good quarterback. But I think Justin Fields, he was expected to be the second best quarterback after this season. But we've seen that controversy come up. Um, but I think where he lands largely depends on the Falcons. If they take a quarterback, I think it will be Justin Fields. If they don't take a quarterback, I think he could potentially fall to Carolina. And I think that would actually be a very interesting fit with the whole, you know, Cam Newton situations a few, a few years ago. Justin Fields also a uh, mobile quarterback, not quite as big, but I think he has potentially more arm talent than him. I think his, I think he can just see the field a lot better. Uh, Noah, going over to you, uh, where do you think Justin Fields will land yeah, I think you, you pretty much nailed the, the nail on the head there. Um, depending on what these what this uh, what this Falcons team is going to do, uh, it kind of depends on where he's going to land. And and if he does slip by them and maybe slip towards Carolina and maybe even slips by them, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands because uh, a decent amount of quarterbacks in this draft are really key players uh, that could improve any team uh, a decent amount. Uh, and like like Brendan was saying, like in that Clemson game, he showed that he could turn the burners on. And unfortunately, in the next game against Alabama, uh, we didn't see as much of that. But still, showing out with around 200 yards and one touchdown pass with zero interceptions. I mean, you really can't ask too much more of him uh, in a big game situation like that. Uh, he's shown that he doesn't falter under pressure. Uh, he's shown that he can still kind of compete with the rest, uh, even. If, even if the odds are against the side. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a really interesting player no matter what team he goes to. And I like you, how you pointed out the Clemson game. I mean, he showed his toughness there too, which I think is a large factor to a lot of teams in drafting a quarterback. 
Uh, just really quickly, either of you can answer this. Do Does he draw any comparisons for you to current NFL quarterbacks? If not, yeah, that's – I have Dak Prescott. I mean, I think they're similar quarterbacks, uh, similar in size. I think they both have that playmaking ability. Uh, I think he's actually a little bit more mobile than Dak, so I think that is interesting there. But Dak does obviously have the experience. Do you guys have any comparisons or – Oh, okay. So next quarterback, NDSU Trey Lance. Not a lot of um, not a lot of experience. He's played lower level competition. Um, you know those North Dakota schools do play smaller teams. Uh, they have won you know back to back to back championships. They are they are always winning championships there. Brendan, what do you think of NDSU quarterback Trey Lance? You know, obviously it's you know like you said, it's a smaller school. It's 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 harder to sort of gauge where it can be. But we have to remember. The quarterback that we talked about earlier in the in the show, Carson Wentz, he went there. He was he was drafted from there, and obviously we know where he's at right now. Um, so obviously, you know, North North Dakota State, uh, one of the best FCS schools out there. They seem to be always winning um, the FCS championship year in and year out. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. Looking at the list of um, of teams in the draft order, you can make a, a pick. Maybe you know, Carolina's obviously maybe looking for another quarterback after Teddy Bridgewater. Um, maybe we see something out of, out of Denver. Um, maybe they want someone to challenge Drew Locke. San Francisco, they seem to be really eager to get rid of Jimmy G from what we've heard. He can land in any one of those spots, you know, maybe not be a starter immediately, but he could certainly challenge for that for sure. And I like that 49ers call. I think with Kyle Shanahan's offense, they obviously want a different quarterback. And I think with his mobility, I mean, he is quick. Uh, he is said to run a 4-5, which is, you know, that's really good for a quarterback. So I think they could do a lot there with that offense going over to you going over to you Noah what do you think of Trey Lance yeah you know it's tough especially when he has such a fantastic season uh and then we haven't seen too much of him recently but I mean coming into this uh like Brendan was saying it's awesome to see another quarterback coming out of that school that can possibly turn out to be a really good player for a certain team um and just looking at the draft order as well you know uh if he, if he falls any any lower than maybe the Los Angeles Chargers or, or Minnesota Vikings, we might be seeing teams like the Patriots who try to pick him up if, if they don't kind of figure out their quarterback situation with Cam Newton. Obviously, they brought him in in hopes that they might be able to revive his career. Obviously, that didn't happen and didn't work out too well. But, yeah, seeing, him, seeing how far he goes down in this draft, uh, he could go to a lot of teams. Uh, Chicago Bears are in desperate need of a quarterback. Uh, if they're willing to keep Allen Robinson, who is happens to be a free agent. So, I mean, they're really going to be have to push to find a reason to keep him there. So, yeah, I think no matter what team he goes to, I think he's, he's going to be a, a decent addition, uh, whether that be immediately or after a year of, of kind of getting used to it. I think he's going to make a big difference for a team. Yeah, I think your point about him being immediate or waiting, I think he would probably do better if he waited a while, uh, get adjusted to the NFL speed because it is totally different from that smaller division college football. Uh, the final quarterback we will be talking about is Alabama's Mac Jones. Uh, he seems to be a one-year sensation. Brendan Martin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, everyone thought he was going to be a transitional quarterback. The Alabama has, has this new kid in the block, Bryce Young, who was a freshman coming in. He was a, a huge recruit. and He's definitely going to be their starter of the future. But Mac Jones, who came in last year when Tua got hurt, um, you know, after a little, some adversity there, they still, they still did fairly well. And obviously now they're the, they're the national champions. So um, Mac Jones, he's, he's more of a, a prototypical quarterback. Um, definitely not as mobile as other quarterbacks in this draft. Um, 
you know, obviously a lot of, um, a lot of what a lot of people say is the Saban Belichick connection. And, you know, those two are very good friends. Maybe he goes to the new England at 15. Uh, I can kind of see that, but also can also see Bill Belichick having too much pride to draft a quarterback in the first round, especially this soon after Tom Brady left, and especially where Tom, uh, the success Tom Brady has had, I can, you know, I can probably the, Belichick will probably trade that pick uh, just like he did last year. Uh, it, you know, looking at other teams that may need quarterbacks, uh, Washington, we don't know what uh, Alex Smith is going to be doing. You know, he'll probably decide to retire. Um, maybe a team like new Orleans who, you know, Drew Brees, who's potentially retiring, uh, who knows what they want to do. Maybe they want to bring back James Winston. I think that'd be a smart move, but if not, they can bring in someone else and try and challenge for that job. Uh, you know, I think that, with the way we see quarterbacks now, I think quarterbacks are definitely a lot more valued in the draft um, than they were in the past. You're going to see a lot more earlier uh, in the next few years, I, I would say. So I think he's somewhere in the mid to late rounds to a, to a team like Washington or maybe, maybe New England, but that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and I like that New England pick. I actually had him going there at 15. I think they are going to be looking for a quarterback because right now I don't even know who they have, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that situation. Yeah. Uh, so I think Max Jones could definitely, you know, be a first-year starter there. I don't think that's completely out of the question. I think it is interesting to note he had the most passing yards in college football this year with also the highest quarterback rating. So that is impressive. I mean, you got to ha- you have to take into account that, you know, different teams played a different amount of games. So, yes, you have to take into account for that. Uh, going over to you, Noah, what do you think of Mac Jones? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely fantastic. This last year, I mean, averaging a quarterback rating of 200 is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're right. This guy's throwing for 4,500 yards. He had 41 touchdowns on the season with only four interceptions. I mean, he's shown he's got some stuff. I mean, it it might just be one year, but I mean, he's shown that he can evolve from there possibly if he goes to an NFL team. So uh, speaking of places he could end up, uh, just looking at the draft order, I'm thinking – this is kind of a stretch, but uh, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking for someone to kind of shadow Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's getting decently old, obviously. Uh, he couldn't really move that well in the first place, let's be honest, but it's definitely been showing in these past couple of years that he, he's slowing down. Still got the arm, though. So, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see where he might fall. I mean, I, I'd be really excited to see that and maybe see him learn under Ben Roethlisberger and see if he could evolve from that. But, yeah, other than that, he might he might fall even further down than that. I'm not seeing too many teams that are really going to need a quarterback. So, like Brendan was saying, he might fall to a little later. But, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback, shown that he can win a title. Um, so, hopefully hopefully, some NFL franchises kind of respect that and, and maybe take a look into him and see what they might be able to – get out of him and then real quick just before changing topics do you think he is more likely to hit a high ceiling or do you think he will bust uh brennan you first man it's tough i mean it really depends on where he goes and the situation he he gets in if he goes to a situation you know like new england and i can see um bill belichick taking him under and you know really working towards getting him there but if he goes to some team like you know, who knows what the Philadelphia Eagles do nowadays. Maybe they decide to, to draft a quarterback in the first round. And if that's the case, then you can pretty much, I can, you can pretty much kiss his career goodbye. So it really depends on where he goes. I think he's going to be a pretty decent quarterback um, for a few years, maybe down the line, he'll end up becoming a backup. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And I think, like you said, where he lands is going to be the key in determining what type of career he has. If he goes to a coaching tree that is not known for developing quarterbacks. I think it could be, you know, a quick career. Um, 
like we've seen so many times with these uh, first round quarterbacks. Uh, going back to you, Noah, what do you think of his potential? Do you think he will bust or do you think he will have a higher ceiling than most people expect? No, I mean, Brendan's right. It really is just a tough situation to kind of guesstimate what's going to happen with this guy. I mean, his, his previous seasons, of course, shadowing a couple of other great quarterbacks that are now playing in the NFL. But, I mean, one year uh, with an absolutely fantastic one year, it, it's just tough, you know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he kind of fits into the NFL as well as he was doing in, in this level of play and college play. Because, I mean, he being the, in, on Alabama, he's gone up against a decent amount of competition. He's gone up against the big teams. So, hopefully – Maybe it, it kind of translates to the NFL, and I mean, I guess we're just going to see how that goes. But, yeah, it's, it's honestly a 50-50 as to whether he evolves into something fantastic or just kind of disappears into nothing. Yeah, and I, I like your point. I think he will rise to competition because just be, to become the quarterback at Alabama, you have to be competitive. I mean, because they get serious recruits every year. And the teams they play, I mean, they're all really good teams. They don't really have a weak schedule. They have one of the strongest schedules every single year. So I think he is used to that competition aspect. Uh, continuing in football news, Allen Robinson, former Bears and Jaguars wide receiver, is set to hit free agency. Uh, Brennan, what are your like top two or three teams where you think he could possibly land? You know, I've looked into this a little bit. You know, Allen Robinson had a great year in Chicago. I think he has stated in the past that he wants to chase the franchise record uh, for most receiving yards in Chicago. So I can, I think that. Uh, that is a top destination for him so far is if he's able to return. Obviously, they're going to have to prove it to him that they want him um, uh, by getting a quarterback or, you know, convincing them that if they decide to stick with Mitchell Trubisky, that he is the guy. Now, he can, they can also franchise tag him. Obviously, we've, we've seen what the franchise tag can do to a lot of players' psyches. It's not very popular. We've seen it happen with Dak Prescott, uh, with a bunch of other players last year. The Bengals uh, tagged uh, A.J. Green. So if they tag him, they can have him for one more year, but then they can pretty much kiss any chance of re-signing him goodbye unless they give him an insane deal, which I don't think that they will. Looking at other teams that may have dra- uh, or have um, cap space, uh, maybe a team that could be up and coming, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They certainly have a ton of cap space. They already have a, a solid uh, receiving core with a DJ Chark Jr. who was in the Pro Bowl a couple years back. Um, you know He can go there. Um, there's a multitude of other teams that could could definitely use him. It just I think at this point – wide receivers need to be confident that the quarterback there will, will play. And obviously he's, he's not confident in Mitchell Trubisky. A lot of wide receivers may not be confident in their current situations. Well, but I think that, you know, given that they don't franchise tag him, which there's still a solid chance that they might, I can see him maybe trying to push Jacksonville or, or another team with a lot of cap space. Yeah. And I think your point about the franchise tag is spot on. I mean, it typically does rub players the wrong way after you franchise tag somebody. And typically after one to two years after that franchise tag, they want out. I mean, because they just, you know, put them out of the organization. Uh, going back to you, Noah, where are your top landing locations for Allen Robinson? No, obviously Allen Robinson, Sean, he's got the stuff, even though he has been dealt with some terrible quarterbacks. And I mean, just absolutely unfortunate situations with quarterbacks. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky probably being one of the best he's had. So, I mean, you, you make your assumption off that. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, uh, teams that might need it and teams that do have the available things to give up, I'd say the Cardinals. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, he's obviously that guy. He is the, he's the nuke. He's, he's the one that's going to be mainly catching for that team. But they really do need that secondary, that guy that can catch just, can catch just as well as him. 
but you know, kind of give him a break. Cause I mean, let's, let's be honest, Deandre Hopkins, if he's going to keep being the only main wide receiver on this team, he's going to handle, he's going to be handling a lot of stress and going on to a lot, a large workload. So, I mean, if, if the Cardinals were able to give up enough things and pieces for him, I mean, they should totally go for it. But yeah, I really liked Brendan's uh, with Jacksonville. I think the Jaguars would be a great place for him to go. He's already played there for four years. He has a history with them. Uh, and with them bringing in a new quarterback, especially after this year's draft, uh, it might be a, a new start for Jacksonville, and they might be able to get something going there. Yeah, and I like all of what you said, to be completely honest. I mean, especially the Cardinals pick, I mean, he would be their second option with the Cardinals, but he would still get a lot of touches. I mean, it would take some of that pressure off DeAndre Hopkins, so I think it would benefit them both, actually, because you wouldn't see as much double coverage. They could, uh, you know, run past the top safety, so I think that would be a really good fit. I had an interesting pick in the Green Bay Packers. I think, you know, taking attention off uh, Devontae Adams would both benefit the whole entire offense for the Packers, but especially Devontae Adams. I know that's a weird take, but I think he would receive, you know, the same amount of touches as he did last season. I think Allen Robinson would also get a lot of passes. And I think their offense would just be a juggernaut, to be honest. I think, you know, you couldn't stop them. Now, they do need to improve their defense to be contenders for the Super Bowl, but I could see that possibly happening. All right, guys, so that wraps it up for part two of our Double Double Weekly Podcasted Edition. Um, Checking out with Noah and Brennan. Have a good weekend, guys.